We on. We on. The video is not live. Yo, let's get it. What's up, family? Appreciate you guys tuning in again to another podcast business stir fry. Used to be. Now we just the stir fry. At Gavin B on Instagram. At Pastor Mike Will. Please go like and follow. Please subscribe. If this is your first time, hope it's not your last time. If it is your last time, don't complain. You came, you came here. Absolutely. If you came here, thank you for spending time, money, whatever the fuck you did to be here. We grateful. Um, Before we get started, I told y'all, I told y'all, I told y'all. Run the tape back. Run me my money. I told y'all. I, I, I first said it that ASAP should get Rihanna pregnant. You did say that he should get her pregnant. I said he should get married. And Mike said he should get married. He should not listen to the young boy on this pod. I said fair enough. And then we fast forward, and I remember telling y'all, like, yo, word is she pregnant. Now, we fast forward again. Heartbreak and all has, around the world. Hand man. claps to ASAP. Yeah, hand, yeah, definitely hands clapping ASAP. It look like they in love, man. So, you know, marriage is just a contract. If they're married in their hearts, I mean, that's acceptable to me. ASAP, <laughs> hey, it's, it's both their first child, right? So that's Absolutely. cool. That's cool as hell, right? We don't, we're not walking into a scenario where it's four baby daddies and Rihanna get pregnant. Mm. So, you know, big ups to both of them. Absolutely. For waiting until they found the ideal person. Um, ASAP, I am extremely envious of you. And Drake. Rihanna is my... Yeah, Drake. Someone go check on Drake. Someone go knock on his door. Uh, Make sure he's alive. But, uh, yeah, Rihanna's like, you know, everyone's dream girl, right? Like, you know, the homegirl chick, hustle, you know. Pretty. Get up there, pretty, you know, tatted. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, natural hair. Look crazy. Yeah, little little crazy. We We let that crazy thing slide a little too much, though. Absolutely. Um... Fellas, if she scratch your car out, flatten your tires, you Smack know, you in the face. all that stuff, let her go. Let, let her go. Please. Let her go, man. I, and look, I know the pie is crazy. I get it. But you got to let her go. It's 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 some, you know, it's some healed ones out there that still got the crazy pie. And it's some women that are not crazy. They have crazy pie. Like, yeah, don't. It's not. It's get not off that cool. roller coaster, man. It's not cool. And nothing's weirder than when you start talking to your boys or talking to a guy. He be like, yeah, she look crazy. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying? But like how normal that is though for, you know, for mm-hmm. men to, you know, to date a woman that's, you know, oh, she crazy, right? And it's like, man, eh, like, I can handle that, right? Because I mean, when they hit you, it don't really hurt. Mm-hmm. Like it hurt when they when they hit you with the cast iron pan, right? Yeah. You know, seven years later, but in the beginning <laughs> when she was just pushing on you yeah. and smacking you, it didn't hurt. So you was letting it slide, right? You know, and she was popping up on you. You were just like, yeah, whatever. It's no big deal. Nah, man, I'll. All that shit is, is, you know, it's controlling. And we always hear it from the man's side. But, you know, it happens from the woman's side, too. And since we are a, a podcast for males, yep. like, fellas, you know, like, understand that you need to let that go. Like, it's not healthy. It's really not. And it's, and it's, it's only going to catch you in the future. Absolutely. I remember, um, on the flip side, I remember talking to my homegirl. And she, um, she was telling me how dude she was talking to, and she was like, yeah, he a little aggressive, and I like that. Like, some days I just need to be put in my place, so he just got to grab me or some shit. And I, I remember talking to her. I'm like, damn, that sounds so It's going to be a domestic at some point. At then, some point, it's going to escalate into a domestic. And I remember one day she said they got into it, and she said he grabbed her and was like, yo, you got to chill because I will knock you the fuck out. <laughs> and she said 
he scared her enough that he said that she said we had to stop talking. She was like, because I realized like I was encouraging some actions, and he had. And that's to why I'm laughing. It's because like that, you know, that behavior is encouraged until it it goes over the line, and then you want to now you want to you know go it all back, or you want to say, oh, you know, you're violent, you're controlling, and I'm not, and I'm not saying to excuse that for men. I'm saying yeah. as men, we do that. For women, a lot. Absolutely. Like, so, and no. then I remember when my dad came to me. He was like, "Oh, um, one of my coworkers was like, oh, you got one of them Puerto, you your son got a Puerto Rican chick. He probably like how feisty she is and fiery she is." And I told my dad, "I was like, nobody into that. Nobody's into that. I said, mean, maybe at 16, 17, Yeah, but the, the older like, you get, yeah, the less likely. What did what, what did the meme say? You know, if you the type of woman that needs to be put in her place, oh, you probably gosh. you probably don't bring peace." And the right. older men get, the more we want. We we want peace. We yo, want cooperation. Yo, and stop going after the chicks since this is a male podcast. I'm even going to talk to the ladies. Stop going after the chicks who be posting all these, making all these posts about why they single, why they can't get selected. And it usually is because I'm a great woman. I got my head on straight. I don't deal with BS. It's like, yo, nobody don't want her. Stop trying to change the narrative on her. Well, yeah, I mean, okay, so <laughs> just stop sliding in the DMs, you know, in general, right? Because when, when we see those posts. You know, we, you know, we like to slide in or when an attractive woman posts a photo, you know, and it's on her story. Right. Yeah. And and the comment is right there. Like I can comment right <laughs> here. Right. Like stop doing that because a lot of times it is, you know, it is to to troll for attention. Mm-hmm. And then that's that's the, that's the only hide that she needs for the day. Absolutely. Because she, be yeah, she's not going to she's not going to respond to any of those messages, any of those texts. Um, Brian Flores is on a he's on a tear. Brian Flores is on a tear, but <laughs> this was way overdue. And you know, it's funny you mentioned that, right? Because I, I, I actually, I actually, um, I want to talk about two types of men because there's two types of black men. Okay, right? so we're gonna get to Brian Flores. Okay, um, Pose is the general manager for the Chicago Bears. He was a former front office executive for the Kansas City Chiefs. He he is a brother. Hmm. Uh, the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs is Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bieniemy mm-hmm. has not received an opportunity in the NFL. Now, Eric Bieniemy has issues of his own doing when he played in the league, you know, dating back over a decade ago, maybe two decades ago. Mm-hmm. There, there should have been enough time between what he, the things that he has been accused of or accepted that he's done, and today. Absolutely. But he's a black man. Absolutely. All right. So he he doesn't get that grace, and I think Eric Benemy understands that to a point. Pose worked in the front office with Eric Benemy, mm-hmm. right? Uh, he didn't even interview Eric Benemy for the Chicago job. Now I say there's two types of black men. Here's the thing: if you have the opportunity to at least interview somebody, at least talk to them, even if it's just for appearances, because obviously they're interviewing. Black yeah. candidates. Just for appearances. <laughs> just for appearances, right? For shits and giggles. So as a black man, if you can't do that even just for appearances, what good are you? Like, mm. what good are you to other black men? Now, there's another black man, Byron Leftwich. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in the lead for the Jaguars job. The reason why he did not get the Jaguars job is because he told them he wanted Adrian Wilson to be the general manager over Trent, Trent Balky. Now we know billionaires don't like being told what to do. Never. So they told you know. So they pretty much told Byron, if you want to come here and be the head coach, Trent's going to be a GM. Trent's a terrible GM. As, as someone that followed the 49ers, I can tell you, Trent Baalke's a terrible GM. <laughs> he's, he, he's hit or miss. Byron Leftwich wasn't wrong, but Byron Leftwich said, "Hey, I'll come as the head coach, but I need you to make Adrian Wilson the general manager." 
there's two types of black men. Now I, I'm going to ask everybody, cause this is an accountability podcast. Are you posed or are you left witch? Mm. Because once you figure out which one you are, we got to make sure that we put ourselves in the circles with men that are like us. Absolutely. Because we have, there is a major problem. I know we started talking about the tactical retreat that black men need to start doing. Right. And maybe I should, maybe I should use a, a better colloquialism circle the wagons. Right. Mm. So when you circle the wagons, you're under attack and it's not going well. <laughs> so while you circle the wagons, it's almost your last stance. And right now, the the men that wants to elevate their brothers and take care of their brothers and hold their brothers accountable, we're going to have to circle the wagons because we're, we're not only fighting against supremacy. Mm. We're not only fighting against the poles of the world. We're we're all we're not only fighting against our own women in our community for whatever reason, whether that's systemic racism, whether that's supremacy, or whether that's the the branch of supremacy which I call feminism, which you could <laughs> disagree or agree with. That's what I call it. But when we have a battle in the front and, and both both sides of flank, we have to circle the wagons because as black men, we have to make sure that we're able to hold our mental. Because if we ever get to the point where we feel like it's hopeless, then we're not even going to try, right? Mm-hmm. Most people, when it when it's hopeless, give up. Most people don't fight for that for that half percent chance or opportunity to win. That's just human nature. Yeah. When all odds are against you, fuck shit, fuck it, right? Fuck it. So <laughs> I so back to blind Flores. I wanted to mention that because it definitely seems like you know that there's something going on in the NFL. Absolutely. That we <laughs> that we, you know what's funny is um. This ain't surprising to nobody. Um, I think the NFL, the NFL knows it has a problem, right? Roger Goodell knows he has a problem. Um, I think it's it goes back to your bigger point of billionaires don't like being told what to do. Yeah, and I mean, do so. Here's the thing: do the NFL know that they have a problem, or is the, the NFL a reflection of gr- the greater society? Mm. Like, do they know they have a problem? I don't. I don't know. I don't know if racist people. Like truly understand that they racist. I know. I think I never know. They know they're racist. Okay. Because racism is fun. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if you're not being oppressed by it, I get that. But I don't know if they understand that their what their racism causes someone else. Mm, you know, okay. Like it has to be it because it has to be an internalized selfishness. Okay. So good. Good example of that. We was talking last night. We were talking about you know. Uh, we were out at a bar last night, mm-hmm. lounge, and we were just sitting around and we were talking about, you know, again, the ideal of men practicing the fertility awareness method. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because in it, in it, it's a lot it's a lot of things that's fixed with that problem, right? If you could talk about fertility, you know, even even if a woman says, well, you know, my ovulation date, period date, you know, it jumps around. You could buy these little fertility sticks, like a buck fifty each, right? Mm-hmm. So she can actually, you know. Use the stick and it'll tell her if she's ovulating or not. Yeah. Right. And then you can go and smash rolls, shoot up the club, skeet up, <laughs> do all that you want to do. Right. But there's a trust there. there. There's a trust that's going on between those two individuals. The idea that that you can't do that without offending someone comes from a place of selfishness. Right. Like I get mm. to do what I want to do. So pretty much once a man ejaculates. That sperm is just no longer his at all whatsoever. Nah. Do whatever, like, <laughs> if wherever it lands, it's theirs now. The kid is theirs. The sperm is theirs. <laughs> you no longer own that at all. So I was like, so there has to be a realization that men, a, a realization of men to understand it. Like, man, 
I need to be more disciplined, right? Which, which, you know, like, so I got to be more selfish because that's what discipline is. It's the, you know, the discipline of self is not giving myself everything that I want, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's not giving. Now, now I got to be selfish with my time with myself. Absolutely. So it goes to like racism, it's a selfishness to whereas I don't know if we can expect them to give it up. Nah. Like it, it, it's it's a coupon, right? Yeah. <laughs> you you get under police, right? So you get you you can you could do drugs, you can drive home, buzz, you know, because your your communities are under policed. You know, if you need security, you can call for backup. Mm-hmm. There's so many benefits to this. You know, if, if I apply for a job and it's me and this other person, and I'm and I and the person across the desk look like me, you know, the incentives to hire me is their comfort. Absolutely. Because it's not about money at that point, right? No. Like, like it's the comfort. So why would I make myself uncomfortable as a hiring president, HR director, manager, when I can make myself comfortable by just doing something that's easy to me? I racism overtly, I think is I think it's hard to do. I think I think that comes from a place of hate. Okay. But racism covertly, I think it's just easy to do. Yeah. Because all you gotta do is just not pay attention. Yeah. And it just exists. Turn my head. <laughs> Just turn my head. Like I, I think at some point we need to realize that that racism is either fun <laughs> or I like it, which could be two the same thing. <laughs> it could be the same thing. <laughs> and so, so let me ask you this: Do you think Brian is going to get another job? Because I, I find it hard. First of all, if to me, I think he possibly will, but I think the two head coaching jobs they they keep saying like, oh, he's our lead candidate. I think that's just the. Uh, I, I think nothing, it's cover. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't. I don't think it's nothing that the NFL won't do right now, so they won't look even worse, right? So if you call the Texans or you call the Jets or whoever, and you say, "Hey, just keep saying." No one wants this. those jobs, man. The good, the good, the good jobs. First of all, absolutely. You know, would it would it either been the Jags job or um, who else was hired? I mean, Justin Fields, like those are the new quarterbacks in the league. Like, yeah, no, no one wants to go in and, and coach the Texans. Deshaun Watson's not going to be there. Nope. You know, and you know, to 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 a greater point, you know, with a lawsuit pending against the league. No, I mean, you know, I think Brian Flores understands that no company will hire you while you have a pending lawsuit against. Absolutely. Them. So I, at, at the end of the day, I think the NFL will cut the check. Um, but the NFL's lost, uh, you know, a really, really, really good coach. Like, yeah, give me, give me Brian Flores over uh, uh, what, what's it? Go. Josh McDaniels, right? <laughs> like yeah. he, he, he was terrible the first time he got hired with the Broncos. <laughs> you know, he took the coach job, then quit on the coach. You know, like <laughs> he did stuff that a black uh, coach also could ne- never do. Yeah, and you know, like he's not the offensive genius that he's made himself out to be. You saw that this year with Matt Jones. Like Matt Jones looked okay, but you know, he he was he wasn't world class. Nah. And then he had he and he now he's he's been rewarded with the hottest franchise in the league right now. Absolutely. You know, the, the newest stadium, the highest ticket prices, gotta love it. All the buzz, and he's been rewarded with that job. Now, here's the thing: as a black man. I don't expect any differently. Nah. Right. So even though it could be deemed unfair, it doesn't. It doesn't affect me to say, "Well, damn, how did he get that job?" Poor me, right? Mm-hmm. But it affects me daily because it reminds me of the system that I live in. Absolutely. So while it might not take you know the fifty percent away from from my emotions, it does degrade at you know a small percentage every day. And and when you're living in this country, 
and we're actually going to talk about black man's mental health today. Mm-hmm. When you living in this country and every day is it's, it's chipping a little bit away at you, that that's not an easy life. Facts. And no one cares. <laughs> um, and more news that y'all need to care about, but you probably don't. Rudy, Rudy Giuliani, um, the mass singer. There's there's some beef. There's some uh, people are disgruntled. For those who do not know, um, I don't even think it's aired. It's yet. not even aired. Yeah, like it, that's the funny part. Yeah, which I believe everything that happens in entertainment is a rollout in some so, sort of field. Yeah, especially de- definitely like, rules. Like especially with uh, a network this big, a show this big, um, and I believe. Hey, if it's not, I, I believe the masked singer uh, in these all these shows have ran their course, but you know you still got to get some eyeballs there because it's a big production thing. Yeah, um, you know, and so the word is that uh, Rudy Giuliani was unveiled, and several of the castmates, you know, the judges, yeah, walked two off. of the judges walked off. And here's my thing: I don't know why they walking off. I don't either because. <laughs> It's fake outrage. Absolutely. Because Rudy Giuliani just didn't pull up in the parking lot, threw on a costume, and ran out on that stage, right? A lot of people knew he was there. <laughs> a lot of people knew he was there. It was a lot of boxes that was checked off to get Rudy Giuliani there. Absolutely. So if you had outrage, then your outrage should actually be for the, the company that you work for. Nobody, None of those judges are quitting. No. Yeah, they're, they're probably getting, what, you know, a mil, two mil to be judges? Yeah, If absolutely. not more. Yeah. You know, so they're not walking away from that money. So at the end of the day, your outrage isn't real outrage. And liberals are doing the same thing that they just been banging on conservatives for doing for years. Okay, which is what? Canceling the other side, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, we're going to boycott the conservatives, you know, pick that up from what everybody picked it up from civil rights movement for the most part. Yeah. But, you know. Well, we just go to boycott this, you know. Oh, calf cart want to make people get vaccinated. I'm gonna burn up all my calf cart, <laughs> you know. Which you are gonna have to rebuy because if you own that, you probably live in a super cold area, and they're like the only clothes that are warm Look, in those areas. Absolutely. But it's like it's it's this ideal of well, I disagree with you, so I want to infringe on your livelihood. I disagree with that. I I I wholly disagree with that. I want racist people. I want sexist people male and female i want everybody to be able to say what they want to say in a public forum i really Mm. do because if they don't say it in a public forum how the hell will we know like we already suspect but you can't prove anything with suspecting i work for a company and i had filed an eeoc and i and and i knew i didn't have the evidence but i was like you know what This, this has to go on record and i remember she told me she was just like well you need like basically like written evidence mm-hmm. for for this claim to actually go forward so we could file it on your behalf. And and I didn't have that. I had everything circumstantial, right? Like yeah. these are the circumstances, these are the dates, this is what, you know, it's he say, she say. They couldn't move off of that. Yeah. So if you want to get these things done, you have to have written proof. What better written proof than to let these people go and expose themselves you know, online, right? If I say yeah. something on the, on this podcast, which is racist, it's out there forever. If I say something on this podcast, which is sexist, which y'all try to do all the time. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> but if you go and listen to it, it's like, it's not really sexist. It's just an ad hominem attack, but you have to defend what you write or say. 
Uh-huh. Why do we not want these people to write and say it? Like, where else is it going to go? I don't want them to, to, to you know, shut down racist message board. It's the easiest place to go and see where everybody racist is. <laughs> Absolutely. I love Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and Twitter for a while. Look, oh, my gosh. Tw- Twitter, Twitter about 10 years ago. Like, that's why I wasn't on Twitter, man. It was so freaking racist. Maybe over, maybe over 10 years ago. But it was so racist yep. before they cracked down on it. And that's why Twitter, because uh, they said, what, Google tried to buy Twitter, too? They were trying to buy it- they were trying to buy Facebook or buy parts of Facebook so they could buy Instagram and Twitter and have them all three. And they just couldn't because it was so <laughs> racist. It was so sexist. It was, and it was like, and now if you go on Twitter, they've really cleaned it up. They've cleaned it up a lot now. Um, like you can actually, like Twitter is is the breaking news source for absolutely. anything you want to know. But back in the day, yeah, oh yeah, it, 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 it was a call of duty um, lobby. Look, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, you don't want those spaces to be shut down because then you start realizing, like, Okay, cool. Now I know where you stand at. Or yeah. I know I know this is out there. Uh, well, and, and then it goes also to to the narratives and the tropes, right? Mm-hmm. We can suspect something is going on, but it's a lot easier to defend that when you have definitive proof. Mm-hmm. You know, for years we suspected that you know black men were active dads. Like we was like, I, I don't I don't think every child is fucking fatherless that they're putting on. You know these news networks and these six thirty you know news network shows and Nightline like. I know I, I know too many. I, I'm a black man. I know uh, hundreds of black men. We're not fatherless at the rate that they're saying that we're fatherless, right? And then the CDC did the report, and you know, you nobody said anything, right? Rush didn't say anything. Glenn Beck didn't say anything. Nope. Silence. Silence, right? So it was like, oh, that that was the truth, right? And then while while we are here, right, we started out as a business podcast because yeah. we know that black men need to own their own businesses because we're only earning 69 cents on the, on the dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, when you're collecting a check for someone and then we realized it was like, man, we, we got to start banning back some of these narratives that we're hearing in our own community. Absolutely. So now this season that we're, we're, we're bad. We're trying to bat down some of those ideals. And yeah, like it, for the most part, it's a lot of our own community. It's like, well, I, well, I, I, I don't believe that, you know, or <laughs> I feel like you guys are saying something that, that that's not true or it's a personal experience. Like, most of the time, when I talk about someone not seeing their kid, not talking about myself. Absolutely. <laughs> right? I'm talking about somebody else. We record at different times because Mike got to get his kid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or we record at another different time because I got my kid. Yeah, so it's like, we're, you know, we're, we're talking about the black experience, you know, and then people be coming like, yo, you know, they try to come for you. So if you put it out there, I'll be like this. I'm never offended because if you post something, and it has a comment section below Abs- it. Absolutely. You got to <laughs> you, you you catch a couple of strays. Yeah. You got to live with people getting it wrong, bro. Exactly. Like, I laugh because, um, you know, uh, even on my photography pa- podcast, when Key was on there, Key used to always say, I get tired of going in the comments saying, hey, um, Gavin does not hate black women. I don't know where y'all getting that from. Because people would hear me say things, assume I was talking about black women, or when I were, they were saying like, oh, you don't like black women. She was like, yo, I'll be in there defending you. Like, yo, I've never seen him disrespect or treat a black woman rude ever. And I'm like, yeah, that happens. And then, you know, here, oh, y'all might be mad because you ain't seeing your kids or blah, blah, blah. It's like, Mike could say, Gavin, yo, we got to record it this time because I got to pick up my son from school. Okay, Mike, I can't be there because, you know, my wife, is she's doing whatever and I got my boy. Cool. 
Mike, we have done this podcast with your son in the room. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Without cursing and not this season, by Abs- the way. Absolutely. Oh, speaking Sorry. of that, <laughs> mom, uh, she said we, we she said we curse way too much and she cannot listen and we need to unspicy the podcast. I'm going to try to temper the cursing down, mother. Yeah, mom. But we're going to talk about, you know, the relationships and the sex, mom. Absolutely. Uh, funny enough, before we go, uh, I was at a wedding one time and a preacher had came up to me. And he was like, yo, man, I like your pie, blah, blah, blah. And my wife jumps in and goes, I'm so sorry about the language. I'm so sorry. And I looked at him. I was like, yeah, bro. If I would have known you was listening, I probably would have just cut out half of it. But, hey, sometimes you got to drop an F-bomb. Yeah, sometimes. So we will, we'll we'll try to cl- we'll try to clean it up just a little bit for the moms out there. For the moms out there, yeah. our moms. Um, that are listening. Well, you know what's getting cleaned up is Spotify. People leaving. Uh, podcast is getting removed. They are upset with Joe Rogan. Now, before we dive into that, we and I want to end um or I want to elevate the conversation midway through but, but um afterwards. But we have to talk about how people get in bed with people knowing what they getting and then when the outrage come, they got to pick a side. So, I would say that to say because Joe Rogan, um, Spotify, have they removed his podcast from Spotify? No. And, and I don't think they're going to. They gave this man too much money. I, I, I hope they don't. Absolutely. Yeah. And here's the thing. I, I don't listen to Joe Rogan podcast. I don't know nobody that does. Because I can't <laughs> listen to four hours of podcasts. Right? Like, even, like, I can't even play this background because since it's not visual, that means I got to listen to the whole thing. Right? Mm-hmm. So, so, I can't pick up on context clues. I can't read lips. It, it's not like playing Netflix in the background while you work it. So, it's like. Okay. I can't even I can't even listen to it because it's four hours. Like I can't pay you, attention. Wait, wait, wait. You watch shit in the background when you working? Yeah, man. I, I, like, oh hell yeah. no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> like I got I have to have I have to have white noise going of some sort. Man, when me and Mike get a co-working space that's only ours, I will not be in the room where the TV is on. Yeah, I will. I, I won't work at all. Yeah, like I, I have to have something going. I have to have white noise going on. But like so, <laughs> here I mean with Joe Rogan. The podcast is under society and culture, right? Absolutely, it's not under self improvement. Like Entrepreneurship, it's, yeah, it's, it's, health. It's, it's society and culture. <laughs> and if you are offended at Joe Rogan, then you need to look at society and culture because mm. that's what it's about, right? If anything about Joe Rogan's podcast is offensive, and I've watched clips, I mean, he's had on people that that I wanted to hear from, mm-hmm. but I can listen to someone. And not agree what they're saying, right? Like it might be just like I want to hear this this three seconds of what Candace Owens going to say, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I agree with Candace Owens, but you know what though? I need to hear a uh, a black non intellectual comment on something, Absolutely. right? <laughs> so it's like, all right, let me listen to this. I might listen to a piece from J- from Jason Whitlock. I don't agree with Jason Whitlock, but I still need to hear what that side is thinking. Absolutely. You guys got to understand this. There's no other way to get information from someone than to listen to what that person is saying. Absolutely. Because other everything else is just going to be an assumption. Joe Rogan, to me, Joe Rogan can say what the fuck he want to say. And anybody who want to listen to Joe Rogan can go and listen to Joe Rogan. Absolutely. The, the idea, and here's the thing. <laughs> if anybody want to leave Spotify because Joe Rogan is on there, you're free to do that. What you're not free to do is to is to cancel out people's freedom of association, and we don't hear that a lot. We don't, we don't mm. hear that term a lot. We hear freedom of speech, freedom of association is also another right that's under that. Which means I am free to associate with anyone that shares my cultural, religious, or moralistic views. Mm. I am allowed to associate with that person, 
All right, to, to say I want to infringe on that person's liberty, which when you're talking about someone's earning potential, you're talking about their ability to live and provide for themselves and their families, you're removing their freedom. Mm. All right, so mm-hmm. you're infringing upon their liberty. At any given time when you are inf- infringing or encroaching upon someone else's liberty, you are at fault. Absolutely. That person is not at fault, whether you agree with them or not. And I get the whole COVID misinformation. It was stupid. I get it. And here's the thing on this. If companies want to, if companies want everybody to get vaccinated, this is all you got to do. If anybody listening, you run a business. Okay. This is all you got to do. Hey, if you're vaccinated, you don't ever have to come into the office. You can work remote from home forever. If you're unvaccinated, you have to come into the office. You do that right there. Vaccinations go, will go through the roof. Absolutely. Because that's okay. the fear of missing out. Right. Yeah. And when people when people are like, well, shit, I want to work from home, too. I guess I'll go get this stupid ass vaccine. But mm-hmm. when you give everybody the same thing, there's no incentive for anybody to get better. It's why we talk about why racism won't ever get better. Right. Facts. Everybody gets the same thing. All black people are going to get shitted on. Yeah. You know, to a, to a degree. Yeah. <laughs> and there's going to be a whole none set of black people who don't get shitted on. Absolutely. Everybody's getting the same thing. You have to create an incentive to make people to say, all right, what's the incentive in not being racist? One of those incentives would be if blacks actually had economic bandwidth and power. If, if blacks actually own three NFL teams or two NFL teams, if black actually own, you know, a state or two and they had the best beaches and the best food, then you would start seeing people be like, well, what? They're not that bad, right? <laughs> you know, if, if, if every time you you mess with you know a black person, the way that the Jewish community rallies around itself, right? Like like mm-hmm. when you know, hell, me, me me just saying that could get this podcast removed off Absolutely. off of Spotify because that's how much power, <laughs> power. that community has. Absolutely. So if you if if we could get to the point where we own shit, and I get it, it's hard because every time let's put it, let's put it this way. Black resistance is seen as violence. Mm. And this country has allowed that to be the case, right? Like if, if, if when black people were in the period of reconstruction, the, mm-hmm. they, they weren't hurting anybody, right? Mm-hmm. But they were doing well and they did not need anybody for their communities because they were the people who was fixing everything, you know, prior to being free. Mm-hmm. They, were the, they were the cooks prior to being free. They, you know, they were the engineers <laughs> prior to being free. So in this 10-year period, it was a self-sustained movement. All right. When when that well, you don't need me anymore is seen as uh, just a resistance. And when you say, well, that's violence. Right. And, and don't say it wasn't violence, because if it wasn't violence, you wouldn't have had a terroristic organization form itself with the permission of state, local and federal governments to terrorize those individuals. Mm-hmm. So as long as your resistance is seen as violence, you're always going to be in this, this place of well, shit. Can I make it to the top? Right. Yeah. Can't. Can I buy an NFL team or will it get to a point the moment I can afford an NFL team? Now everyone is going to say, well, what's in his past? Yeah. Uh, what has he done? <laughs> How is his taxes looking? Right. Like when you get to that point and it reminds you that, damn, my 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 being my, my just existing. <laughs> Absolutely. And not needing you. Is is a resistance to you, right? Because I don't need you, and you're finding that to be a resistance, and you respond to resistance with violence. I don't know how do you survive in that type of society. Mm. So, bring this. Going back to Joe Rogan, right? Yeah. My problem is people leaving Spotify because they mad at him, his takes, his views. Okay, cool. You can, like you said, you can leave. 
My problem is, is like, we're going back to this cancel culture, and y'all knew what Joe Rogan was before. Before he got on Spotify, he hasn't changed anything from being on Spotify. No. He's the same guy when he was on his own platform. Spotify just gave him $100 million to, to talk it only here. You know what I'm saying? And I've seen a couple of episodes, not full episodes. I've seen a couple of minutes of several episodes of his show. And, yo, if you ever watch the show, it ain't really him talking. It's his guests talking, their opinions, supported, educated or not, whatever. Yeah. They just spewing off at the mouth. He gets the views, he gets the clicks, and that's where we at with it. And now you turn around and the expectation that, yo, he needs to be removed from Spotify for what? For Apple to give him the same check? Well, I mean, and, and here's the thing. It's not Joe Rogan's fault that there's a segment of society that sees him as an intellectual. Yeah, right. <laughs> the guy, The guy who was a comedian that I really haven't seen anything funny from him. The Ever. guy that hosted Fear Factor. The guy Absolutely. that the, the guy that was on MMA. Yeah. You know, like I if you see that guy as being the the, the beacon of, you know, the library of Alexandra, <laughs> that's not a that's him a, problem. That's a you. <laughs> that is a societal problem. Like why does society why do why do they cling to that versus clinging to actual mm. intelligent people? Well, Absolutely. not to say Joe Rogan isn't intel intelligent, yeah. but I don't think I don't think he comes off as an academic. Absolutely. So, uh, so. <laughs> he doesn't. I don't think he sees himself as a scholar. I don't, exactly. So I don't. <laughs> I don't understand. Like the blame on him is you're not really mad at Joe Rogan. You're mad at all the idiots that think Joe Rogan is an expert. So you're misdirecting your anger. Absolutely. Because if he was saying stuff in the consensus was, "Yo, this is funny. We all watching it because it's funny. It's stupid." then y'all wouldn't be wanting to get him canceled. You know, no, not but at all. Because people believe it, y'all upset. Um, So we got an interesting show today. It's interesting to word, man, because... Well, you know. <laughs> what, what, what we're going to discuss here is... We're going to discuss black men mental health mm. today. And I don't know if we really... I, I, I think we've, like, tap danced around it this season. Yeah. But we haven't really, like, discussed it. And this is the reason why I want to discuss it. Okay. Uh, we we mentioned the Antonio Brown thing, and I, I you know I I was go, I was I was gonna I was gonna bring that in today, but I'm not. And and the reason why I'm not gonna bring it in is because people can't separate the mental illness from the man, which I won't say is unfair, but but I will say it's a bit unfair. Okay, right? like because you know it goes back to we can't wait for the perfect candidate to sacrifice themselves. For us to say, okay, well, now we see your point. Because when we have had the, the perfect candidate, no one still cared. Like, at the okay. end of the day, I, I feel that, you know, everyone, the Tamir Rice story should terrify us as a country. Like, that should have been a turning point in this country. And it, it hasn't been. No. Nah, it hasn't been a turning point in this country. So, I, you know, and that's that was actually a physical death. That is actually, you can see it. So, when we're talking about something you can't see, like mental health, I, that was going to be a bad example. So what I, what I did want to bring up is we all I, I think a lot of us saw the meme of um it was made by Daphne I don't know if anybody followed her but it was the Tyrese meme okay you know and it, so basically it was um it was Tyrese at the top crying because he can't see his daughter yeah that was a bad one yeah well, go ahead yeah it was a bad one he then, he was a bad one the rest of my guy yeah the rest so. of my guy but, <laughs> but but the point was that yeah I, I believe if you're crying on social media. It could be assumed that you're suffering about something. Something, but all right, 
her whole post, it was Tyrese, it was Antonio Brown, it was... And this ain't this, it, Will Smith. Will Smith. And, and this isn't a, a defense of that post. But what I but what I want to defend what but what I want to bring up is the way it was seen is this is this is how it's outwardly viewed by individuals. Yeah. And and one of the things that that was said was um one of the one of the comments was men seeing themselves as victims, and this is from a man. Mm. <laughs> men seeing themselves as victims are comical. All right, and then you know, and I was like, "Well, that's not what this meme is about. This meme it's not. is it's not about women at all." Yeah. So that's a projection, you know. So, as a matter of fact, I'll read the comment. I I read it exactly. If he hasn't deleted it, well, he probably got his ass lit up, and you gotta you gotta go when you say that. <laughs> all right, so it says, "Okay, of course, no memes have ever been created about women breaking down. Seeing men trying to be the victim is amusing, right?" And you know. I was like, well, it's a whataboutism to because it's not even mentioning women, and it, it's a false equivalency because we're comparing to something that didn't exist. So this 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 was the comment here. I took the context clues from your other post, the Stir Fry account. Okay, comments that and com, comments and podcast clips that reek of, if not outright misogyny, then at least the persist, persistent resentment towards women ooze male victimhood. Right. <laughs> so something about me is something, something, something that you said earlier. Right. Getting it wrong. Right. Like, sometimes, yeah. so I was like, you know what? Maybe I've gotten it wrong. So I went through okay. the I went through the last 10, you know, posts that we had on the page. And not only did I, not only did I go through the last 10 posts we had on the page, two of them was big up in women. It, yeah. it, it, it was one there for the young lady that became an LPNY in high school, I believe in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And it was another one about the first woman that was ever drafted that was actually drafted to the NBA in the 1970s. Yeah. That we never talk about. That we, that we never talk about, right? This is on our page. Absolutely. Right? But, here, but here's the thing. Because th- it, there's an idea that black men can't be victim, here goes a person, a man that's not a black person, mm. that feels like he is, he is going to defend women, Right? So here, so here's the thing: victims in the context of relationships to women, because that is what I read and hear you talk about mostly, most exclusively. Many of whom are black women, right? So he's thinking he's there to defend black women. Well, I gotta save him, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I here I, here I am. Here I am. Pick so, me. So we're <laughs> we're here. We're here talking about black men. We're here talking about mental illness and is it safe for men mm-hmm. to share, you know, how they feel, right? Are men derided or are they uplifted, right? Mm. The, and the whole point of the post is, is that most of the time when men share something, they are going to be derided. Yeah. Is that fair? Like, can, can we fix the problem of mental illness in the black male community if anytime a black man shares anything, he's laughed at? Mm. All right. Now, now, mind you, that was a man, right? Yes. He was defending black women. Now, when he when he posted that, I was annoyed because I was like, you know what, I I do a I do a lot to try to make sure I'm not misogynistic. Okay, I was like on this podcast, I don't feel like we ever talk down to women. I feel like we actually talk to men. Yes, and I think one of the things that we always tell men is that a part of masculinity that is oftentimes left out is the grace. Yes, and is the care. Yes, right. Like if you pick those things up in masculinity, you change your understanding. You actually your, your chauvinism actually starts to come down because you understand it's, it's your responsibility to care, mm-hmm. right? It's not the other person's responsibility. That's your responsibility as a man to actually care. But I, I want you to know this person thought that they was right. 
So I'm in another group, which is mostly um, it's mostly like Carolina colleges uh, okay. in the area, whatever. And mostly everybody's in Charlotte. I say that group's probably ninety percent black, uh, and I'd say probably sixty percent easily college educated. And a black woman posted the exact same meme. So she saw what I saw and she posted it in the group. Yeah. I didn't post it. She posted. And she was and here here's here's women coming. Here's black women actually talking for themselves. They don't have a pick me talking for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where do we break the cycle? I fight with family and friends about self-care and mental health. This is another lady. This is sad but so true. Break my heart. Another lady, true. Uh another lady, agree. Another lady. No lies. Another lady. Agree. Now, these are black women speaking up for themselves. I just Absolutely. went through the thread, right? And here, herein lies the problem when it comes to black men and mental health. Everyone knows it's an issue in our community. Absolutely. All right? But the problem in our community, right? We talked about the two men at the beginning of the podcast, right? You got mm-hmm. your Byron Left Witches and you got your Poles. In our community, we have agents or okay. ops. Absolutely. That's, okay. what they are. That's what they are. Go ahead. Let, 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 let's stop pretending that that's not what they are. <laughs> and these men will use ad hominem attacks, and they will actually, and they and they would try to use the appeal to authority that I am here as the guardian of black women because you as black men have done such a poor role at doing it, mm. and they'll speak on behalf of black women. And you are here, and you'll be like, "All right, well, let me take a self look at myself." And then you then you have a black woman come behind and say, and this is why black women are needed. This is why you will never hit this podcast red pill it to death because we need our women to come in to reaffirm what we already know, mm-hmm. right? That black men, mental health is not being taken care of. Mm-hmm. All right. And the reason why I want, and, and so it's a couple of things I want to bring up. Uh, same Daphne, she posted a poll and she was like, man, do you talk to anyone when you're experiencing mental health? It was 80% no. Yeah, I believe that. Like, only 20% was actually going to see a therapist or, or, or anyone. Yeah. And then when I pulled up the the stats on it, let me see if I can pull up the PDF file. Uh, one of the things that it actually showed was that nationwide, this is from the CDC 2017, uh, only one in three African Americans who need mental health receive it. That includes women. Amongst men, the rate was actually, among black men, of black men. So less than a quarter. Less than a quarter. And and here's the thing. To your contemporary, right, because we always have these these questions of masculinity, non-people of color, men, go at a rate of 45%, right? Mm. So so the image that, that, that is portrayed on TV, you know, that of, of these strong men that, that, that do not need any help, they're almost going to therapy at a rate of twice. Yeah. You know, of black men, you know, Absolutely. maybe not twice, but 70, 80 percent higher. Yeah. And maybe and I think we need to hear that because I think I think we think that we're the weak ones. Despite yeah. the fact that we're under constant, constant, constant stress. But a problem with black men going into therapy is um, persistent racism mm-hmm. that, that exists. Now, and, and racism doesn't always have to be overt. Right. Like it's a ra- I don't mean racism in the sense that. You Y'all know, can't go. You can't go. <laughs> I mean, racism in the sense that there's only four percent of the industry look like you. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So, so you, so not only do you have to find a black man that looks like you, mm-hmm. but also you have to find a black man that actually feels the way that you feel. So, that, so it can be relatable. Yeah, because we already know between the Byron Leftwich 
and the polls, mm-hmm. that there could be a black man there who don't think you need to be there. Yeah, right. Like your issues have to do more with your lack as a man Versus. than it has to do with the society that you live in. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So there is a ton. Of shit, it's a ton of roadblocks. If we just being honest, absolutely, just to go and get the mental help. All right. Second thing is, black men are no longer really in religious organizations anymore. Mm. Right. So at one point in time, it was it wasn't that you went to your pastor, but you had a kinship of men. This right. Some, yeah. so, so you had you know the older men. Right. So if you was a forty year old man and you was going to a church and there was a sixty year old man there, a seventy year old man there, eighty year old man there. A lot of time, the older men would just pull you to the side. What's going on? You hey, right? Yeah. What, like, what's, what's going on, brother? You know, hey, I, I ain't really hear from you today. I haven't mm-hmm. really talked to you. You know, what's going on? We don't really have those environments no more. And then even in the black man space, we're not really holding each other accountable because we're red pilling it. And we're talking about everything that women are not doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, that makes me uh it makes it brings me I was listening to um Joe Budden podcast, not Joe Rogan, but Joe Budden. Um and so I'm listening to his podcast and one of his episodes is titled Where are the men meetings. And they start off the first beginning of that podcast talking about how um how he's you know, Joe had his first son when he was like 18 or whatever and he has uh like a five-year-old now in his 40s right and he's talking about how even his oldest son he he realizes like there's a disconnect sometimes yeah just generational things right and you know he's saying that how he doesn't understand why his son you know he he's glad his son is at college his son is pledging and joe was like when i was his age Pump It Up was on the radio. Yeah. like And so our lives were so different. And he was saying that um, they was talking about how men and they had this discussion about, yo, do you open up the door for your girl? Do you step on the outside when y'all walking? Do you um, pull out her chair? And they were saying, and so the beginning of their podcast was like, where are the man meetings so that our generation, the younger generation, and even the older generation can all come together and say, no, this is what men need to be doing. And, and so that's bringing me to, um, so to make it a circle, I remember, you know, growing up in church, I just remember those times where older cats was pulling my dad to the side just to be like, how are you doing? Yeah. And, you know, my dad, I was always thinking, I'm like, why are you even talking to him? My dad was, and, you know, he would always break down to me. He's like, look, they got something. No matter how uneducated you may yep. think they are, they have been through some stuff. Sometimes they can look on your face and know that you're going through something. Exactly. Or 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 the interaction between you and your wife or the interaction between mm-hmm. you and your kid, right? And is that is that ideal of, hey, I see something going on here. Um, hey, let let you know, let me let me walk into it or let me uh, address it. Yeah. Last night we was leaving we was leaving a lounge uh-huh. and um I was out there talking to one of my boys and we were just catching up, actually talking about, you know, like fatherhood and yeah. you know, things of that nature. And there was a, a group of young black men down there that was walking back to the party bus. You could tell they was inebriated. And it was like three dudes, and it was like one dude across the street. And, like, they they started, like, going at it, right? Yeah. You know, fight about to break out. And <laughs> as they going, they're, they're going at it. You know, they're, they're, they're lobbing the I'll kill you threats. Yeah. And, like, you know, dude is, like, reaching at his waistband. And, like, you know, my homeboy, he from the burbs like you. So he, he, he's he's getting nervous or whatever, right? <laughs> and you know, and I, 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 you know, I'm from I'm from the Midlands, right? Like yeah. they they film live PD in the Midlands, right? absolutely. So it's like you know that wasn't new to me; it has nothing to do with me. 
But, you know, as they start simmering down, I see the guy across the street. You know, he starts, like, walking away. You know, and they yell, yeah, you know, you better leave, pussy. You about lost your life over this and all that. And, you know, I don't address him because the testosterone is through the roof. But my boy, was he was like, man, you want me to take you to your car? I was like, nah, I'm going to walk through it. And I was like, because because I know as a man being calm and just walking just walking through it while these men are separating, that, like, you know what, somebody somebody's here now, right? There's yeah. a witness here now. Yeah. Right? And it, being a Absolutely. black man. He's not gonna say anything, you yeah. know. what I'm saying he ain't got he. He's not about to call the cops. But you know what though? We probably need to simmer it down. A citizen is walking through at this moment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's an older man walking to his car, and I knew that would happen. And what was funny is when I looked down the street to the brother that was like walking by himself. Yeah, he broke into a jog, and I was like, yeah, they were serious. Yeah, because you know you you be bad when they right there. Y'all dudes got to cut that shit out with your pride, man. That pride will cost you look <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but I see him break into that jog. I was like, yeah, yeah. he know them. He knew he, he getting out of there. Yeah, he knew that. All right, okay. But <laughs> they're coming again. I know. But back to the, back to the to the mental health thing. Though we talking about you know as men seeing older men right and seeing them in their element. And, and having someone that can say to you, you know, hey, I've been through this. I've dealt with this. You know, we got through it, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. all you need to know is just that it's possible to get through it. Absolutely. Sometimes you think it's impossible and you talk to somebody else and they were like, nah, we dealt with that, believe it or not. And yeah, we, we were fine. Yeah. You know, but if we don't have those kinship circles anymore, then we're going to have to start going to therapy. Absolutely. And, and, and I think that if we understand, like if we look at ourselves and we're like, man, you know, I don't really want to go to therapy because whatever reason, the stigma and the stigma is actually legit. I'm going to talk about that in a sec. Yeah. But maybe if you knew that half of the other side is actually going to therapy, you know, that it would destigmatize it a little bit and let you know that, okay, maybe I should have my, my butt in therapy too. And that's the truth. 25% for us, 45% for them. They're, you know, they're, they're getting the work. They're Absolutely. doing the work. You know, so we need to do the work. Look, if you could be 70 percent active fathers and not be married and not be not be receiving mental health. Yeah. Imagine what you would be if you actually married the women that needed needed to be married in our communities and would lived in the house with your kids and went to therapy. Right. Like imagine what kind of men, if, if we still if we're still getting a, a C minus in the class. Right. Because we're graded on the curve. Everybody else is worse. <laughs> right. If we could still do that with those problems. Imagine what we could be if we fix those problems and then imagine the example mm. we set for this country. If you want to save this country, look. There has not been any major change that has occurred in the United States of America mm-hmm. without black male resistance. Black male resistance through the ending of the abolition of slavery. I mean, you can go back prior if you want to go back to the wars that was fought on the continent. But if we just want to get to the United States, mm-hmm. you know, if you start with the Stone Rebellion, that was that was the start of the abolitionist movement. Those, those uprisings, rebellions, you know, became you know where the abolitionist movement started. You know, really catching steam. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go through. The um the ending of the enslavement of Africans. I hate calling it slavery. It's an enslavement because Africans were enslaved. The etymology of that word is Slavonic. That was a subservient people. That was never the tribes of, of Africa. Mm-hmm. But anyway, fa- you know, <laughs> forget the history lesson. History lesson. Yeah. <laughs> but if you go through reconstruction and the freedom that was offered in the communities because um black communities are traditionally matriarchal. Like that that is the kickoff to the suffrage movement. Mm. You know, if you want to fast forward through the civil rights movement of, you know, the thirties, forties, fifties, and sixties, that, that is what preceded the, the, um, the revolutions in Africa and the freedom movement 
of the 1960s and the Civil Rights Act. Like, these are the things that kick it off. It was the Civil Rights Act and, you know, the stand-up of Dr. King, you know, and his subsequent murder Mm -hmm. that kicked off Title IX because even though the Civil Rights Act was passed in 1964. Did nothing. Yeah, did nothing. Yeah, well, it was Dr. King's death, but they still couldn't get it passed until they added Title IX. So the Title IX came from, it's, it's the daughter, it's literally the daughter of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. So at every at every turn, whenever there have been a movement in this country for change, for social change, for the better, that has been kicked off majorly by black men with the support of black women. So it's in you to create mm-hmm. the change. If we actually want to save this nation, part of that is going to be us becoming mentally fit and better. Now, the stigma behind not going to um, counseling is, you know, one, it is attributed to the apartheid for, for a good bit of it because when black men was going to get treated in the 1960s, it was a book that was written by some professor. I think it was in 2012. I forget the name, but I was reading up on it when I was researching for this pod. Mm-hmm. Most black men were seen as schizophrenic, right? Mm-hmm. So if you was to go during the apartheid for mental issues, right? Like, yo, I just want to sit down and talk to somebody. I think I'm going crazy. Yeah, they oh, were they were are. they were automatically labeling you as schizophrenic. All right, those men had children in the eighties and nineties. All right, so they weren't getting mental help. They're not telling their children to go get mental help because I don't want my children to be labeled as schizophrenic. Right? Absolutely. And then those kids are now the, the generation of today that we're so we're in this place where there had partly we're not getting the help that we need because of the way that black men were perceived. When going to get mental help when it first came available for us. Yep. So, yeah, it's a reason why it's 25 and 45, right? Absolutely. It's not no reason. It's not not macho, right? You know, it is not masculinity. So, just to give a little bit on that. Now, addressing the masculinity. Y'all know on this podcast, (laughs) we always tell you that masculinity is grace, it is mercy, and it is caring, right? We always tell you that. So I was reading this article and it said that in addition, therapists should always be aware the issues of racism and masculinity can intersect in complicated ways. Now it says black men may internalize ideals that they should be good protectors, providers, or role models. But if you're in a system that oppresses you or make it hard for these beliefs to come true and your access to fulfilling them, it creates stress and frustration. Now Mm. that probably sounds familiar to a lot of us. But if we, it's one of the reasons why I want to build on the idea of masculinity going beyond providing and protecting. Because even if you're in a system where you can't provide the way you you want to, right? Mm -hmm. You can't protect the way you want to. All right. If you understand that it's also upon you to be grace and merciful, right? You, if you do, if you could do half of the other half and you can do a hundred percent of the other half, you pass. And if we understand that masculinity encompasses the whole man, right? Mm-hmm. Not just the, the burly man that could come in and throw <laughs> a problem over his shoulder and take it out of the room, but also the, pro- the, 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 the ideal that men can care. If we understand that that's the whole man, it will, it'll make us feel better. I guess, I guess at I guess the end of the day, that's what I'm trying to say. It'll make us feel better. And if you feel better, you perform better, right? What do they say? Look good. Feel good. Feel good. Absolutely. That's all I got. That's all you got? Um, You know, (laughs) mental health is interesting because uh, with men, 
he doesn't benefit society uh, with black men fixing their mental health. Um, black men addressing, confronting, and ultimately fixing and working on their mental health um, brings families back together, brings, you know, it elevates education-wise, financial-wise, brings unity. And then what ends up happening is shit start changing that society ain't ready for. Exactly. And, and one thing is, I encourage everybody, we always said, look, everybody mentioning therapy, nobody ain't going. I encourage everybody to go. I um On the photography podcast, we had a therapist on. And, you know, her biggest thing was she said she noticed in her field when she talks to people of color, like, hey, why aren't you in therapy? They have this weird th- uh, stigma that it costs too much. Yeah. And she said it's the worst thing ever, she said, as a therapist, when I sit with people and I hear it costs too much. And then I ask them, how much does it cost? And they say, I don't know. <laughs> and she said, it's tough. And she said, um, she said, sometimes I just want to let them know, like, look, you might not can go to the bar twice a month. Yeah. If you just can say, hey, I drink at home for twice a month, you can go see a therapist. And she was like, that they don't put that together. You know what I'm saying? She said, maybe you can't eat out two or three times that yeah. month. You can come see me twice. You know what I'm saying? And so she was, and you know, her biggest thing was like, look, Seek help, do your research, and if you want somebody of color, there, you know, there's a whole organization. Um, damn, I wish you know what I put it in uh look in the description, um, because I do want to link, and there's a whole network of black therapists that you can go, and I will put it in yeah, in, definitely, in the link. yeah, definitely um, do that because I think it's important, and even though um the link is going to be for it's going to be black therapists, and I think they're all black women, however. Um, that's just because of the network that she's a part of. If you contact one of these ladies, I'm sure they can point you in the direction of the link for black male therapists. Yeah, well. and, and and that's understandable. I, I, and and I, you shouldn't think that they'd be offended by you asking that because there, there's definitely a need for black male therapists. And you know, and, and again, if you find a black male, you don't have to stop there. Find one that relates to you. Yeah. And if you, you know, on that, you know, to piggyback on that. You know, if you work a job, you have EAP, right? And I think most EAPs are either three sessions or six sessions or mm-hmm. whatever. But here's the thing. It's three or six sessions per issue. So if you go yeah. in there and say, you know, I have an anxiety for work, and then at the end of those three sessions, you can say, hey, I'm having anxiety <laughs> with my girlfriend. And then at the end of those three sessions, you can say, I'm having anxiety for whatever it is, right? For this podcast. Yeah, for, the, <laughs> for, for this podcast. This podcast is terrorizing me, right? <laughs> whatever it is. They'll add it on, and you can keep that on the company's dime and not come in your pocket. I don't know if you're going to find a black male therapist since they're only 4% of the whole pool yeah. of therapists. But if you do look up and find that, that's a way to kind of skirt around it. Um, and um, another person that I listen to a lot um, uh, is Dr. Stevenson. I can't remember his first name. His brother's Brian Stevenson. And I know his name, and you probably know his name because that's the guy who did the documentary, The 13th. Okay. So yeah, yeah, and Dang, I can't think of his name. That's but, a great documentary. By yeah, way. but um, Doctor Stevens and his brother. I actually like his brother better. His brother is actually um, into like the ideal of of the social science of racism. Mm. So if you ever got some free time and you want to go on YouTube, um, look up Doctor Stevens and racism. It should pull right right up. And but something that his brother said though was he was like the South the South lost the Civil War, but they won the war of um, ideology. And the tropes of black people, right? Mm. Like they they won that. They won what they won a narrative on race. That's how he put it. Mm. So he was like, they lost the Civil War, but they won a narrative on race. And one of the things that we're trying to do on this show a lot is 
trying to change those narratives and at least own our own narratives. Absolutely, man. And with that, man, we want to thank y'all for tuning in. And we're going to catch y'all next time. Holla at your boy.